Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. And we are now just a couple of weeks away from Christmas Day, and we all know that Christmas is supposed to be a happy and joyful season. It's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. But the reality is that we often make the Christmas season pretty miserable instead. And that's because we have a tendency to embrace ugly attitudes at this time of year. So right now at Melbourne Heights, we are in the middle of a sermon series called Ugly Christmas Sweaters, where we're talking about what we need to do to leave the ugly to the sweater and avoid having ugliness in our attitudes this time of year. And in this week's episode, we're specifically focused in on what we need to do to avoid having ugly motives. So let's get right into this episode sermon. sermon series that is inspired by one of my new favorite Christmas traditions. And that, of course, is the ugly Christmas sweater. And if you've been paying attention over the last few weeks, you've started to realize just how much I love this new holiday tradition. Because I've got all sorts of ugly Christmas sweaters. I've got bright green ugly Christmas sweaters and bold red ones. I've got an ugly Christmas sweater that's an homage and inspired by Clark W. Griswold in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I've got an ugly Christmas sweater that has the Peanuts gang on it. I've got this one with Mickey Mouse wearing Santa's hat. I even have a pair of ugly Christmas sweater socks that I break out this time of year. But today I'm wearing my Christmas cookie ones because we have our cookie exchange coming up after the service finishes. And I think I have come to love this new holiday tradition so much because I think ugly Christmas sweaters do a really good job of capturing what Christmas is like for so many of us today. And that's because in our attempts to make Christmas perfect, we embrace ugly attitudes this time of year. In our attempts to make Christmas perfect, we embrace ugly attitudes this time of year. And when we embrace these ugly attitudes, we take what is supposed to be a happy and joyful season, we take what is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, and we turn it into the most miserable time of the year instead. But this Christmas, this Christmas doesn't have to be that. This Christmas can be the most wonderful time of the year instead of the most miserable time of the year. This Christmas can be a happy and joyful time when you get together with your family and your friends to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But in order for that to happen this Christmas, we need to leave the ugly to the sweaters. This Christmas, we need to leave the ugly to the sweaters. But how exactly do we do that? How do we leave the ugly to the sweaters? Well, that's what we've been talking about in the Sundays leading up to Christmas this year here at Melbourne Heights. And specifically, we've been focused in on a few areas in our lives where we tend to see these ugly attitudes rear up. So we've been talking about these areas, and we've been talking about what we can do to avoid all of that ugliness this year. So a couple of weeks ago, we got started out by talking about what we need to do to avoid having ugly thoughts this Christmas. And we saw that if we want to avoid having ugly thoughts, what we need to do is replace those ugly thoughts with good thoughts, with thoughts of things that bring us joy instead. So that's why we challenge you the first Sunday during this season of Christmas to help us decorate our worship space by making little decorations, little ornaments to place on our trees that share things that bring you joy. So I've been taking a look at the ornaments as they come in each week, and I've seen some pretty amazing things that bring you joy. There are those things that we all tend to think of, our family, our friends, those personal relationships that we have. 
But we, I've seen other ornaments that celebrate everything imaginable. I've seen ornaments that celebrate Christmas movies and ornaments that celebrate a good old-fashioned book. I've seen an ornament that celebrates our sense of humor. And I've seen ornaments that celebrate the Christmas cookies that we're going to get to eat a little bit later on today. So if we want to avoid having ugly thoughts, we need to replace those with things that bring us joy. Then last week, we talked about what we need to do to avoid using ugly words this Christmas. And we saw that if we want to avoid using ugly words, that we have to train and tame our tongue. And we need to train and tame our tongue to be positive and really think about the words that we're going to say before we even utter a single word. And that's because the words that we use, they have the power to give life, but our words also have the power to take life. So we need to be intentional about the words that we use if we want to avoid using ugly words this year. Well, today we're going to continue on, and specifically today we're going to be talking about how we can avoid having ugly motives this Christmas. And it's important for us to talk about what we need to do to avoid having ugly motives this Christmas, because our motives, our motivations, they underlie everything that we do at Christmas. Like when we go out and we do a little bit of Christmas shopping. And I can tell you this one from first-hand experience. Because a few years ago, Ashley and I, we had gone out and we were doing a little bit of Christmas shopping for Hannah to get ready for the coming of Christmas Day. And when we were out and about and we were doing a little bit of shopping, we ran across the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer version of the Operation game. How many of you played Operation at some point in your life? All right, well, if you really know me, then you know that one of my least favorite Christmas movies is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because the claymation really creeps me out. Um, it's just a personal thing, but it does. But when I was a kid, I loved playing the game Operation. So I thought, as soon as I saw this game, that we needed to pick it up and buy it for him. And on the surface level, it would seem like my motivation for doing this was pretty pure. I mean, I loved playing Operation when I was a kid, and I wanted my daughter to have those same fond memories as she grew up. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that my motivations may not have been quite as pure as they seem. Because if you know Hannah, then you know that she doesn't really like to play board games at all. They've just never really been her thing. And the year that we gave her this Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer edition of Operation, she was going through a phase where she really didn't like loud noises. And loud noises are kind of the point of the game Operation. So, as I think about why I really gave Hannah that game, the simple reality is that my motives weren't that pure. My motive wasn't trying to help her have these memorable moments during her childhood. My real motivation was reliving memorable, nostalgic moments that I had when I was a kid. So this is probably the reason why that Operation game is sat collecting dust on one of the shelves in our house and hasn't been played hardly at all since the day that we gave it to her. But we've all been there. We have all at one point or another given a gift out of selfish reasons. And even though we can all have different motivations for everything that we do, if we want to leave the ugly to the Christmas winners this year, then we really need to pay attention to what motivates us as we're going about our holiday celebrations. So this year, as we are out and we're buying Christmas gifts, or we're putting up Christmas decorations, or we're planning Christmas parties, we need to be thinking about why we're doing all of these things. We need to be asking ourselves when we are out buying presents or putting up our decorations or planning our Christmas parties or doing whatever else, if we are doing all of these things so 
absolutely bless other people or if we're doing all of these things so that we can bless ourselves. Now, in in the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preaches, which we commonly refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to help us try to figure out what's really motivating us. Now, the Sermon on the Mount takes up three chapters inside of the Gospel of Matthew, or Matthew's biography of Jesus. And the Sermon on the Mount, it includes some of Jesus' most famous and memorable teachings. So inside the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to find the Beatitudes, and you'll also find Jesus teaching us the Golden Rule. But today I want us to focus in on what Jesus has to say about our motives. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6 together. We'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your own trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may get praise from people. I assure you that's the only reward that they'll get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may give to the poor in secret. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you, that's the only reward that they'll get. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Skipping down to verse 16, Jesus goes on to say, And when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites do. They distort their faces so people will know that they are fasting. I assure you that they have their reward. When you fast, brush your hair and wash your face. Then you won't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, we don't know a whole lot about the crowd that Jesus was preaching to when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. But based on what we read in, the, in Matthew chapter 6, the passage that we just looked at, it's safe for us to make a few assumptions about the kinds of people that were out in the crowd. And based on what Jesus just said, it's safe for us to assume that there were plenty of people in the crowd that day who were far more concerned with looking like they were religious than they were with actually following God. This is why Jesus refers to them as hypocrites. Now, in Jesus' time, the word hypocrite was commonly used to refer to actors. So when Jesus calls people in the crowd that they hypocrites, what he's doing is he is calling them out for acting like they're following God instead of really following God. And that's because Jesus can look at these people and he can see and understand that it may look like they're doing the right things when they are praying and when they are fasting and when they're giving to help the poor. But Jesus knows that they only look like they're doing the right thing. They're not doing these things for the right reason. That's what Jesus wants us to see here. And the reality is that at Christmas time, there is a lot of this that happens. A lot of times at Christmas, we see people that do the right things for the wrong reasons. I have a friend who has volunteered to work as a bell ringer for the Salvation Army every Christmas for years. And he's told me 
that every single time that he has been out there standing by the big red kettle with the bell in his hand, that he will have someone who comes along with a little bit of change in their hand, and they will stop, and they will stand right beside that red kettle, and they will wait until a crowd of people walk by before they'll drop their change into the kettle, just so those strangers walking by will think that they're generous. We've also had the chance to talk with plenty of people who run homeless shelters or soup kitchens that share horror stories about volunteers coming in during the holiday season who are far more concerned with taking selfies while they're serving than they are with actually helping the people in need that come to those soup kitchens or homeless shelters. But based on what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, what we just read, those people have already received their reward. That person who stops and stands by the red kettle waiting to drop their change in until a crowd goes by, they've received their reward when strangers smile at their generosity. Those people who show up at soup kitchens or, or food pantries to volunteer during the season but are far more concerned with taking pictures to post on social media, they receive their rewards from the likes that they get on their Facebook or their Instagram page. But if you're paying attention inside of this passage, Jesus tells us that for folks who are willing to do the right thing for the right reason, for people who are willing to do the right thing without worrying about any recognition at all, for people who are willing to serve in secret, that we get something else. We get another reward. Multiple times inside of this passage, we hear Jesus tell us, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. God will reward you with more than just a pat on the back or a round of applause. God will reward you with more than just a few likes on your Facebook feed. God wants to reward you because ultimately, God is just as concerned with why you do something as God is with what you do. God is just as concerned with why you do something as God is with what you do. This is actually a truth that we see play out in the Christmas story. As God enters into this world, becoming a human being in order to see to save us, we see how concerned God is with recognition and the story. Now, the reality is that many of us have heard the story about the first Christmas four times that we can count. We've heard it dozens, if not hundreds of times. But it's worth looking at again today paying attention to what God's motivations really are in the story. So, we find the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, and I want to take a look at a few verses here, starting in verse 1. Here's what Luke writes. He writes, In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. The first enrollment occurred when Quirinius covered Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city, called Bethlehem, in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly, and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the guest room. There was ever anyone who deserved to be praised and applauded for what they did at Christmas. It was God. When God entered into this world in order to save us. But I don't want you to lose sight about how God actually chose to come into the world. 
Because when God decided to come into this world, when Jesus was born, Jesus wasn't born into a royal family inside of the house. Jesus wasn't born in the temple in the lineage of the high priest. When Jesus was born, he was essentially born in a barn because there was no room for him in the guest rooms or inns inside of the town of Bethlehem. And Jesus' very first bed was a place that most of us would never imagine having to lay down our child. Jesus' first bed was a manger, which is a fancy word that we use to avoid saying feeding trouble. That's how Jesus entered into this world. Now remember, this is God that we're talking about. God could have chose to enter the world any way that God so desired to enter into the world. But the way that God actually came into this world when Jesus was born shows us a whole lot about God. And if God was concerned with recognition or getting a pat on the back for what he had done, Jesus would have been born in a different way. He would have been born in that royal palace or inside of the temple. He would have been a part of the royal family or the lineage of the high priest. God wasn't motivated by recognition. The story of God becoming one of us, in that story, God is motivated by love. God was motivated by loves us so much that he wanted Jesus to enter into this world that is a part of an ordinary family, in an ordinary place, so that there would be no doubt whatsoever, not only that God understands what it's like to be one of us, because most of us are ordinary people living in ordinary places, but God also wanted there to be no doubt that God truly loves people just like us. So the message that we truly see and the first Christmas story, the real Christmas story, is completely the opposite of the ugly Christmas sweater tradition. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to actually attend an ugly Christmas sweater party for yourself, but the whole point of an ugly Christmas sweater party is to stand out as much as you possibly can by wearing the most atrocious, the most gaudy, the most hideous sweater that you possibly can. But that's not what Christmas is really see, at Christmas, when we as followers of Jesus, when we are motivated by Jesus, we want to draw attention to him, not to us. When we are motivated by Jesus, we want to draw attention to Jesus, not to us. This actually reminds me of a story of a guy named George Gipp. George Gipp was a part of Notre Dame's football team back in 1920. And George Gipp was an incredible football player. He could run, he could pass, he could punt with the absolute best of them. But George Gibbs' story has a pretty tragic ending. And that's because on December 14, 1920, George Gibbs died of pneumonia. But eight years later, almost exactly eight years later, on November 10, 1928, George's football team, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they were playing one of their fiercest rivals, Army. And when that game got to halftime, it was all tied so going into the half, Notre Dame's legendary football coach, Newt Rockney, came into the locker room. And instead of giving his players a lecture or yelling at them because of the way that they had performed, he told a story that happened as he was sitting by George Gibbs' bedside as that young man passed away. And Coach Rockney actually recalled something that George said to him feebly as his life drew near. Here's what George Gibb said to him. He said, sometimes, Rock, when the team is up against it, 
When things are going wrong and the brakes are beating for us, tell them to go in there with all they've got and just win one for the game. That's exactly what that football team went on to do that day. They went out at the half, after halftime, and they won that game. That's because in that moment, they set aside their own selfish ambitions, and they were motivated to do something for George Gifford, the giver that he never would have been able to do for himself again. Now, as Christians, we should be more motivated by Jesus than the fighting Irish were by George Gifford that day. So as Christians at this time of year, we should be motivated to live our lives in a way that honor and celebrate Jesus. So at this time of year, when we have the chance to serve someone, we should be willing to go out and serve someone. But we shouldn't go out and serve someone simply so that we can get a pat on the back. We should be willing to go and serve someone because Jesus served us first. At this time of year, when we have the opportunity to love someone, we should be willing to love someone, but we shouldn't do it just so that we can be recognized for loving someone. We should do it because Jesus loved us first. And this time of year, when we have the opportunity to make a sacrifice to help someone else out, we should be willing to do it. But we shouldn't be willing to make a sacrifice so that we can feel better about ourselves. We should be willing to make a sacrifice because Jesus sacrificed himself for us first. As Christians, we need to understand the reason why we do all of this. Because Jesus is our motivation. Jesus is our motivation. It's like the Apostle Paul puts it in a letter that he writes to Christians that were living in a place called Colossae. When Paul said this, he says, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. Let me read that again for you. Whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. What Paul, who's the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century, is trying to make sure that we understand is that our motives cannot be selfish if we want to follow Jesus. We can't do things so that we receive praise or recognition. We can't even do things so that we simply feel better about ourselves. What Paul wants us to understand is that every and everything that we do, we need to do it to honor God. Because honoring God is part of what is supposed to motivate us as people who follow Jesus. So this Christmas, if we want to leave the ugly, dewy Christmas sweaters, we need to be willing to examine our motivations. And we need to be willing to do the things that Jesus calls us to do, not for selfish reasons, not so that we can get pats on the back or so that we can feel better about ourselves, but we need to be willing to do these things simply because God did all of these things for us first. So to help you do that, to help you live a way that honors God, to help you live in a way that shows that Jesus is your motivation, I want to challenge you to do something this week. This week, I want to challenge you to do what Jesus tells us to do in the Sermon on the Mount. This week, I want to challenge you to find some way that you can serve other people in secret. I want you to find some way that you can show the love and the kindness and the grace and the mercy of God, but you have to do it anonymously. 
So this week, you can sit down and you can write a nice little Christmas card and mail it to someone, telling them how much you love and appreciate them inside of the card. Just don't sign your name or include a return address label. Or when you're out getting lunch this week, you can stop and you can buy lunch for the person that's sitting behind you in the drive-thru line. Or when you're out doing a little bit of grocery shopping or Christmas shopping in general and you walk by one of those big red kettles for the Salvation Army, you can drop a $20 bill or a $50 bill or a $100 bill. Just don't stand around waiting for people to walk by when you do it. Or this week, you can make an appointment at the Red Cross and go and donate blood. You can find a way to contribute to the disaster relief fund for Western Kentucky that's been set up by our state government. But whatever you're doing, whatever it is that you're going to do this week, to honor God, to show God's love and grace and mercy to other people, I want you to remember these words that we read in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, we're told it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So this Christmas, be a blessing. This Christmas, give to others. This Christmas, serve others. This Christmas, love others. Because Jesus gave himself for you. Jesus entered this world to serve you. Jesus came into this world and laid down his life because he loves you. So this Christmas, when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, ask yourself if you're doing it to honor God. Because if you are, if Jesus is your motivation, you're going to leave the ugliness of the sweaters this year. And you'll be living the life that God has called us to live. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we should all be challenged by what we've heard. We should be challenged because oftentimes, God, it feels like we put on masks, we play games, we play a part, and we become actors who try to look like we are people of faith. So God, that means that sometimes we do the right things, but we do them for the wrong reasons. So God, in everything that we do this Christmas, help us to think about why we're really doing it. Help us to think about what's motivating us. Are we motivated to love because you loved us? Are we motivated to give because you gave yourself for us? Are we motivated to serve because you came and entered this world as a servant for us? Are we willing to sacrifice because you sacrificed yourself for us? But you know that this time of year can bring out the worst of people. It can be a miserable time. It can be a time that is filled with ugliness. So God, help us to examine ourselves. Help us to reflect on why we're doing what we're doing. So we can leave the ugly of the Christmas sweaters. And we can be the people that you want us to be. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this sermon has challenged you to really think about what motivates you to do everything that you do during the Christmas season. 
And you need to ask yourself, if you're doing all of these things, from the presents that you buy, to the cookies that you bake, to the decorations you put up, to the parties that you plan or attend, if you're doing these things to bless others, or if you're doing these things to bless yourself. Because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, everything that we do is meant to honor God, not to honor ourselves. So if we want to leave the ugliness out of our motives this year, we really need to be focused in and asking ourselves why we do what we do. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be finishing up this sermon series called Ugly Christmas Sweaters. So we're going to be focusing in on one more area in our lives where we tend to embrace ugliness this time of year. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. But don't forget, you can also come and worship with us every Sunday morning online on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys are having a great Christmas season. I'm praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.